0: at least the things that I've been able to do and where I am right now was anywhere in my field of view when I first started working for the media team. Um, but through the help and guidance and assistance of other people, it has given me purpose and um, and passion and, and shaped my experience. And I think from that right away, that immediately sets it for me, at least what I've tried to do is set a foundation of understanding that that is what has helped me along the way and it's what's going to help me going forward and it's what's going to allow me to help others and continue that that cycle of service kind of to boost up this as best as possible And i think it's a big part of what makes the support in the community work in the first place
1: what's up guys welcome to the invictus mindset podcast today's guest is making his second appearance on the show He's the co-host and co-founder of Talking Elite Fitness, a TV host for the CrossFit Games, a fitness nerd, a sports junkie, and a soon-to-be husband, the man, Tommy Marquez. Welcome to the show, dude.
0: Oh, man, you're too kind. That was a great intro. I, I feel honored. And uh, that last one, the uh, the husband part, is. I want to make sure that's the most important one because that's the one I've been waiting the longest for.
1: I dig it, man. And you just came off your amazing bachelor party spending some time with some really cool and amazing humans within your your network in your circle you know what were some of the some of the highlights of that because it was well deserved after a very long crossfit game season
0: oh thanks man i appreciate that um you know it, it was it was interesting the uh the nature of the game season leaves very few windows for me to, to step out and do that especially when you're coordinating you know friends and and family and uh Hats off to my brother and uh, like my best friend from growing up, Craig, and Marston Sawyers, who many in the space might be familiar with. They kind of took the reins of just trying to organize people and get people together, and they did a great job. And we got to spend about five days in Chicago after the games were done. I basically hibernated in my hotel room for a day in Madison and then drove over to Chicago. And a core group of us from high school, uh, my high school, we went to a, a Cubs game, we do all these baseball trips, and we went to Wrigley for the first time. That was amazing. We um, we did like this architectural boat tour because I like I love history and all these things like that. So um, you can enjoy your favorite beverage while floating on the river, and and then uh, we That's went cool. turtle racing <laughs> at a at an old timey bar called uh, Big Joe's. We visited a bunch of really cool restaurants and like landmarks that um, I wanted to see, and then we went to a uh, Swedish House Mafia concert, which is a DJ trio that I've been a huge fan of for a long time. They broke up about a decade ago, and so I never got to see them. And they finally got back together, and this is their reunion tour, so I got to see them, and it was awesome.
1: That's super cool, man. It's also very, very important to note, man, is it hard to coordinate some of these things within the CrossFit game season. I mean, even right off the bat, some of our Invictus athletes coming fresh off the games just left for Italy the other day for, for another competition. And so just the fast turnaround for, for some of these athletes and right after that, or they also just finished the Rogue qualifiers. And, you know, right after that, when they get back, it's Wadapalooza qualifiers. And so it's, it's never ending. And you being a part of the media team you know, we're not just reporting on competitions and whatnot, but also anything and everything in between. And so I'm stoked you got to have those special experiences with friends. And I definitely want to highlight the fact that it wasn't just turtle racing. You're you're a turtle racing champ. You had a little bit of lettuce, <laughs> yeah. you know, hidden up your sleeve and, you know, you yeah, were kicking you know, ass in that space. You got to add that to your resume, man.
0: I know. I, I guess I should put that up there. I, I'm actually, in, and I'm invited to go back in November, to compete for like the annual championship to win a trip to Vegas. So working on the logistics of that to see if I can swing it.
1: I'm what I'm seeing here is a talking elite fitness shirt that says Tommy is really master splinter
0: because you are the
1: true Ninja Turtle.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan growing (laughs) up. That is that practically writes itself into a shirt. And the irony of
1: being in Chicago, like the the Mecca of awesome pizza. Like it's all coming together, man. You might actually be master splinter in in an alter ego.
0: You you know, we've never been seen in the same room together. So it's hard to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well played, man. I uh, was fortunate to run into Mars and Heber at a noble event after the CrossFit Games. And I was and they were telling me that they were going to spend time with you at your, your bachelor party. And I was telling them, you gotta take him to Lumal where you can get the Nodo pizza where the crust is made oh. out of sausage. I lived Whoa. in Chicago for a little bit and you would like take the train to Lumal you'd order this pizza. It's not really on the menu, it's like a secret menu thing that somebody told me about. But before you get back to your landmark or in, the, in my case, my apartment, the box is like soaked in grease. So it's like, you know it's good. It's a heart attack in a box. <laughs> But Tommy, next time you're there, you got to try it out. The no dough pizza.
0: It sounds awesome. And, and it probably would have been very helpful given the daily activities that we were involved in and, and our general state of mind on that trip.
1: <laughs> I dig it, man. Well, kind of going back down memory lane a little bit, we had the, the 2022 Noble CrossFit Games and another amazing experience put together by the Noble team. You know, the the introduction of all the gear to the athletes and man, Todd and, you know, that crew just always seemed to continue to elevate and delegate. You know, what was what was that like for you to be a part of the, the onset and the introduction to the athletes there at the start of the games?
0: Well, first, I'll start by saying that we were extremely grateful to Todd and the Noble team for allowing us to be a part of that process. You know, um, athlete check-in is such an important element of the weekend it's really when the week starts, right? You talk to so many athletes and they say that, Hey, you know, all this training and all this training is happening and y- you get antsy and anxious and ready to go. But the minute they step into that check-in area, that's when it gets real for them. So to be a part of that initial process of their games dream and their games process becoming real for them for us it, being in media and being around this for a long time. It's just, it's it, it never loses its luster in terms of it being an important element for us. And so uh, it, I was super happy that we were able to be a part of that. And also, we got a firsthand experience to some of the processes that went into that. You know, in, in years past, it was, it was Reebok, and they had their process, and now Noble has their process. And these last two years in particular, we have had a greater look into what that process is like by being involved and Noble inviting us in. And it just gave me a greater appreciation for... The attention to detail that they go into, um, the genuine care that they put behind this athlete check-in process for the sake of making that moment special for the athletes. It also gives me an awesome firsthand look at how these athletes react to it. You know, it's like, you know, um, I was talking with my mom. She was saying, like, you know, it wasn't always about the gift that we gave, if it were Christmas or a birthday or whatever, it was the reaction and the emotion on your face that we got to see and the enjoyment yeah. of you being happy. And so there's an element of that in seeing those athletes be like, oh, yes, this is my time, whether it's, you know, someone like Austin Spencer who got a backfill invite and has been trying and been close so many times before, you know, whether it's Roman Krennikov finally getting there in the first time or or even Ricky Garrard who's coming back off of a, a PED band but now, you know, finally... Served his time and was patient, and finally is coming back. And so, getting to see that firsthand is ob- it's obviously special for me. And then getting to chat with them in those moments is it's just really cool, unique window of time to chat with them where there's this emotion, there's this excitement, and all of this before they go into arguably their most important week of their calendar year. So uh, it, it's really been it's really been a cool process to see. It's deepened my appreciation for the sport and the things that go in to give it a personal touch. And uh, honestly, it makes me excited for the future as well, because, um, you know, lots of changes in the last five years and people have stuck with it and are continuing to rebuild. And uh, this is a step in that process. And above all else, you know, maybe we're not getting everything that we want right away. We're on that path towards it. And it gives me hope for the future for sure.
1: Man, that's a hell of a description, man. I knew I had the right guy on the show. Oh, man. Uh, huge <laughs> shout out to Todd Mullaney, the CMO for Noble. You know, he's done an amazing job. And not to mention, he just had a baby. So the fact that he coordinated all these things, I chatted with him briefly in comparison of this year versus last year. And last year, it's like, I don't think he left the venue. He was there for, mm-hmm. you know, until 2 a.m., 3 a.m. almost every day. And this year, yeah. he learned to, to delegate a little bit, empower people. And they had a, a really unique processes and procedures set in place. And like you described, like I was observing on the story side of things and then got there a few days later, but the reactions from people were, were epic. I can only imagine seeing that and feeling the frequency and excitement for people, especially someone like Roman Krenikov, who's been trying to get there so many different times. And, you know, he had an incredible weekend, by the way, him and Ricky Gerard. Huge shout out to those guys. I'm sure we'll navigate their CrossFit Games experience a little bit later. This episode is brought to you by Mush. My friends over at Mush created an incredibly cool product of ready-to-eat overnight oats. And for those of you that listen to the podcast often, you know simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And Mush has done just that, as their products have no more than seven clean ingredients that are dairy-free, gluten-free, with no added sugar. Mush started right here at Invictus, as they had a vision to create convenient, healthy, and clean nutrition. And this landed them on Shark Tank, where the famous Mark Cuban invested in them. Now they're found in retailers all over the country, including Costco, Sprouts, Target, and Whole Foods. Check out my friends over at www.eatmush.com. Trident Coffee is sponsoring this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. My guys over at Trident taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good and bad, and everything in between. At Trident, they're storytellers. All of their cold brews remind their customers that that they are part of something bigger than themselves. They help create connections through symbology and storytelling that engage their customers on an emotional level, and this distinguishes them from other coffee brands. You can find Trident in Imperial Beach and in Coronado. They offer over 14 plus nitro cold brews, along with dairy-free options. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from their keto bakery. All these options will allow you to support your health and fitness journey with Trident Coffee. There are more than just a coffee company. You can check them out over at TridentCoffee.com and use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Once again, that's TridentCoffee.com. Use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Take your coffee experience to the next level. Two important factors for us over at Invictus Mindset are true care and attention to detail. My friends over at RX Smart Gear have been bringing innovative fitness tools to the market since 2009. From their award-winning Evo speed ropes to their amazing gymnastics grips to their line of inflatable fitness equipment, they're constantly looking to problem solve within the fitness industry. They're always allowing us to have our gear work for us rather than against us. Hop on over to RX Smart Gear and use discount code InvictusMindset to shop their latest cutting edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. Tell me where I'd like to go next with our conversation is, you know, what were your thoughts on how Adrian Bosman put everything together? You know, a little bit of pressure from the the media side of things, comparing him to Castro, and you know, he just operated at the beat of his own drum. He brought in some really cool different modalities and tests that I thought were bringing it back to the old school days at the parallel bars, but then simultaneously bringing a little bit of a, a new school flavor. Did, were you able to connect or cross paths with Adrian at all? And, you know, what were your thoughts on his performance?
0: Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I, I, I will say that I really, really enjoyed this year is every morning we would have a production meeting for most of the commentators and on-camera uh team for the games and each morning and then subsequently at one point during the midday Adrian would come to that meeting and walk us through his inspiration his mindset his approach to those out el- testing elements that were coming up immediately uh, next and it was a really cool element of insight into his process why he was doing what he was doing um, and for A games that was going to be so heavily scrutinized because of those changes, and rightfully so, you know, um, it allowed us to see behind the curtain a little bit more. And for me, it made me super. I don't want to say proud because it has this weird like. I don't think I'm in a place to be able to have to be proud, like proud of Adrian. He's he's an awesome human in his own right, but just really happy for him that he. Clearly, stayed true to himself in programming these games. Yeah, he did, and it w- and he didn't shy away from the task, and he wasn't afraid to go for it in some elements, even in the possible uh, possible likelihood that maybe something didn't go over as planned, because that uh, that almost always happens at the games, right? You program it one way, and this is you know true for Dave, and um, you know even down the regionals or sanctionals level, talking with programmers there that they had something in mind they tested it they tested it tested it tested and it always went a certain way and then on game day it went completely different and that's almost like a natural contingency plan you have to plant you have to bake into your programming but for Adrian it didn't cause him to abandon anything and he didn't shy away from it and even if some elements people maybe didn't like that's totally fine that's a you know a personal preference i think that he showcased a new flavor of programming on his side from some of the skills that I think can also help guide training going forward, which is part of what the Games does year in and year out. And I also think he stayed true to some of the core elements of what has been built over the last 15 years by Dave, yep. um, by Greg, by everyone that that laid the foundations of the methodology in the sport too. So I, I thought he did a really good job. I think given that it was his first year programming the entirety of the Games and he programmed at every division, top to bottom. And he wanted the full task, and how collaborative he was on a daily basis, willing to chat and share ideas, and uh, and talk about his process. I, I was just super stoked, and and mm-hmm. I tried to do a little recon, you know, talking to other people on the event staff, on the on the, um, the equipment staff, and they all shared that same sentiment. So, um, and I think we uh, we got some really cool, shocking moments too with the sandbag, with the capital, and some just super super epic moments from the games that you would expect. While also having Adrian's twist on it yeah for sure adrian
1: is is so unique he's he's a thought leader but it's it's also fascinating that he wasn't or at least from my my lenses he wasn't heavily influenced by the outside distractions and I thought that was really cool. I also thought it was very unique that he put some of the higher skill modalities first the pegboard the double under crosses and selfishly, I have to highlight the double under crosses because I had Dave Newman on about three weeks before the games, and he had mentioned on our episode that he, that he told Adrian about that. And we both were like, man, that's really cool, but we, we probably won't see it this year. It'll probably be next year. They'll probably throw triples in maybe. And then all of a sudden we saw them. I was texting him. I was like, dude, they got them on. It was super cool. And the fact that he was willing to, to put that out there, knowing that m- many athletes were going to struggle, you're going to get a little bit of scrutiny, I thought that was really brave, and I I thought it was really cool that he threw those things out early on versus later on where, you know, the points are a little bit more established and you see a little bit of a rhyme and reason where where people are going to shake out. He definitely took a little bit of of risk, which I thought was, was really, really cool. What were your thoughts on that?
0: I had an initial thought when I first learned of the program. And then through my discussions with Adrian and during that time of him sharing why he programmed what he did, it kind of, I don't want to say fully pivoted. It wasn't a 180, but it shifted my perspective a little bit, I think, um, you know, understanding why there was the cut from 20 to five and why the double undercrosses were saved towards the end. Nobody's talking about the legless pegboards. Like, it, I, I found that interesting, right? Like, incredibly difficult. We saw some athletes struggle with it. And it is a step up from a skill that, you know, five years ago, people were complaining that was thrown in at the wrong time, you know, in the 2015 games. And I, I think it's always funny. Have you ever seen the movie Young Frankenstein?
1: Mm-mm.
0: I use this analogy all the time about how quickly we become jaded and forget to, you know, enjoy the, the things that we once found joy in. Um, when, it, you know, it's a Mel Brooks, so it's a comedy but mm-hmm. he unveils the monster, right? And at first, the monster can barely move and make a noise. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this is amazing standing ovation. And by the end of the showcase, they're booing him and throwing vegetables at him because he's messing up the step cadence to putting on the ritz when he's dancing and performing. Oh, wow. And it's like they flip on him that quick. Um, and I, I felt kind of like that a little bit, which is like, hey, nobody's like talking about the the uh, the legless pegboards or these elements. They're only focusing on the things that the athletes couldn't physically do Mm -hmm. in some such a great observation because some of them could right some of them could do it and and, you know three or four of them eventually did and i think you have to understand that um the intent behind that final round was for athletes to earn the right to showcase a skill adaptation in front of the world right Mm -hmm. at that point a majority of the testing in terms of ranking sorting i feel like had been done with, you know, 35 of the placements already set up until that point in each division. And so then you have an interesting opportunity early on in the weekend to showcase, all right, some of these athletes have already showcased a tremendous amount of skill. Let's see how they take that funda- that foundation of skill and apply it at something they've probably never done before. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you've tested once or twice, and let's put it on the highest stage with high stakes. And I think that kind of re- reshifted my focus instead of just like, oh, well, if you put – the double under crosses early on, maybe uh, it would have had a larger effect on the ranking sort of athletes and maybe I wouldn't have liked it as much given that it was a new skill. But since it was supposed to be a little bit of an opportunity for athletes to showcase their skill um, in a highly condensed format, it gave us a couple cool moments. Nick Matthew, when he got through and he rocked it and then he immediately gets through the single leg squats into the press to handstand and he rocks that And he's a rookie and he's not supposed to be there, quote unquote, because of the backfill. And then he's got the crop top. And it was this awesome moment. And that that wouldn't have happened without that type of element. Now, I get people still may think that there was some flaws to that. I totally get it. But I think it also gave me a little bit better appreciation for what was being attempted in that programming. And ultimately, it took some of the negative elements out of my frame of mind in terms of like, I don't think this should have been included at all, you know. Type, type feeling. So I appreciated the fact that he was willing to progress that skill, willing to throw some high skill elements early on, and then give a platform for some athletes to potentially showcase their ability to, to adapt. And I think from those kind of bigger picture ideas, I kind of liked it a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I also want to take a moment to, to highlight the single unders. That, that's a huge thing that I think is phenomenal for general fitness capacity and something that's overlooked a little bit due to the highlight reel of, of traditional double-unders are what we've traditionally seen on CrossFit.com programming. And so the fact that things are changing a little bit with regards to different types of jump rope, I mean, you saw the different styles with athletes that didn't do the traditional two-foot hop. They had the, the running man yeah. kind of going on. I almost wish Michael Jackson's song was playing at that time. <laughs> um, and also, like you mentioned, just the community element, everybody getting behind Nick Matthew. Seeing his incredible skill set, after you know, seeing the the PED pop from Phil Toon, giving him an opportunity to then backfill, and he made a name for himself this weekend. I mean, I definitely no am a big fan of his now. And previously, I, d- I didn't know who he was, and you know, that's that's a that's a really cool thing to see people float to the surface a little bit, be able to showcase their skills, and I don't know, man, it was it, I can't help but smile and just gently reflect on those unique community elements that really gravitated towards the heart and the soul of CrossFit.
0: I mean, those moments are the reason why we have these cliche comments like, you know, playing with house money and things like that, because there are people that take advantage of the fact that really they're not, they weren't originally intended to be there or they're given an opportunity they otherwise didn't think they'd have. And they're going to go for it and they're going to give it their best crack. And Nick certainly did that. He deserves all the credit and um, I think it was cool that they they split the Rookie of the Year into uh, each division now. So he also got to share that honor with Emma. And it's funny that you talk about the single unders because that was another thing a lot of people didn't talk about. But it was the thing that tripped up Tia Toomey. I literally it was, was about not to turn say it out. that. Yep. You look at Tudor Magda, who is an athlete that otherwise might have crushed that event because of how good he is and some of the other skills but he couldn't get through the single unders unbroken. Yep. And this is one thing that Adrian was very intentful about in his programming throughout the weekend when he was talking to us about big picture themes in terms of keeping the core intact. I mean, you go back, this is CrossFit 101. You go back to the early uh, journal days and some of the articles and, and very eloquent pieces that Greg put together about virtuosity. And once you feel like you've mastered a skill, it's time to you know go back to the bait basics and begin anew this time with a you know a better perspective and a new a deeper understanding of what needs to be done and you know I'm paraphrasing that obviously but that's really what it was like we feel like oh we've got double unders we've got all these other things but oh have you kept the the foundational elements intact you know have you done all those other things to remain virtuous top to bottom and um, we saw some athletes really struggle and honestly look out of place in doing some of their single unders and it's funny because we were talking about it in the back and um, you know, we have these little commentator powwows and people are like, oh, like single unders. I'm like, you can't you can go into any boxing gym or any like wrestling gym on the planet. And you see guys repping out single under crosses and they're doing hundreds unbroken for minutes at a time. And that's a very foundational element of jump rope training. Even the double under crosses. I learned those probably 2011. Thanks to some of the stuff that, you know, Buddy Lee was putting out back in the day and that jump rope course and all the different uh, pieces that he was involved in. And I think, you know, it, it was a core piece of the training back in the day where like, hey, we have all these subject matter experts. Let's go and vertically integrate all the skills into, you know, what we do in the gym as a whole for CrossFit. And, you know, I think over time, maybe we get away from that a little bit. But like we said in that journal article, it's. Time to get back to the basics and, and begin anew. And I think Boz threw some, some breadcrumbs in there about that and caught some people off guard. And I think there's a, a whole lot more athletes that are going to be practicing single-unders in their warm-up or maybe in a skill session going forward. And even the double-under crosses too.
1: Absolutely. I also think that word unbroken elicits a little bit more performance anxiety and changes the, the dichotomy of the movement now because there, there is an element of fear. And fear can be a great motivator. It can elicit pressure. Pressure is a privilege, but at the same time, pressure also makes things a little bit more challenging, especially on the big stage. And so I would love to chat with Adrian and kind of figure out where his headspace was at. Was he reading CrossFit journal articles while kind of jotting down some notes? Like, I'd love to see the peek behind the curtain of him in the lab tinkering with program design.
0: Yeah. Well, remember, Adrian is a longtime member of the community. I mean, longer than almost all of us. And yep. he's, he has been teaching the CrossFit methodology through L1 seminar staff for, shoot, what, like 15 years? He was part of one of the, the OG gyms in California and Cro- uh, CrossFit San Francisco. Yep. And, you know, working out of the Connex box that they had over uh, near Golden, near the Golden Gate Bridge. And he is, as tied to the roots of the methodology and the sport is anyone really at this point. And, um, it's, it's, it's funny how people are like, Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. Like you shouldn't need to be reminded. I mean, we do from time to time, but being reminded of like where Adrian comes from and how deeply ingrained he is in this, that it makes a little bit more sense when you think about that. And, uh, um, I, I'm just glad that he was able to inject that uh, into his process in year one.
1: For sure. I think it's a societal thing based on the title that he had for a very long time. People associate the title with, oh, that's who they are. That's what they know. And I think this was an opportunity to share some of the context. And you know, you look at the program design and how you so eloquently described it. There's a lot of little nuance and context in there that may have been gently overlooked. but. It was definitely magical and on day one man I want to explore a little bit with you some of the behind the scenes looks when you know they're, they're attacking that you know almost like a cyclocross thing where they had the bikes and they're going on this this trek and inevitably they had you know Janikowski and uh, one other miss a lap. And, you know, there was a little bit of a challenge there, which allowed Ricky Garrard to then sneak in and get that first place finish. And I was in the back hanging out with Justin Kotler and he was so pumped, you know, how he gets excited when his athletes perform well. And, you know, it was just interesting to see it all shake out and play out. There was a little bit of this, this unique whisper in in the community and fan base of like, how are they going to score that? What's going to happen? Is it the judge's fault? Is it the athlete's fault? you know, in briefing, they always, you know, have the athletes, to, you know, really, really focused on, hey, count your lap, laps. It's going to be focused on the chip. You know, humbly, I, I would have suggested like moving a pylon of some sort to try to have a visual as to where people are. But I'm, I'm curious what happened behind the scenes and, you know, maybe what was learned for the, the better execution for next time.
0: For sure. Um, so I was actually standing at the juncture where the athletes uh, at least on the in the for the women's race, I moved because um, we had to prep for a show while and we're watching it from the production trailer for the men's race. But there was a clear juncture where there's a uh, uh, a judge with a flag um, during the early rounds, pointing just to kind of give them some help. But they were briefed: you are responsible for your laps, and if you mess this up, you will be penalized. I mean, gotcha. there was so very there was clear, clear
1: communication.
0: There was clear communication about that. Um, and it, it was actually uh, Saxon Panchik, I believe. Yep. And Lazar Jukic who who missed. yona oh, was okay. the one that got passed at the end. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha, and gotcha. he was he was leading at the time. And it's also interesting to no, know no one messed up the the lap count on the first five, and no one messed it up on it on uh, really outside of Danielle Brandon who, on the women's side who who messed it up once. But everyone for the most part seemed to get it otherwise, and you could see when Lazar came in he was like I don't think I did all five and but he was already too far pretty much to turn around because he would have lost a lot of time Mm -hmm. so he ended up just going back into the I think it was just a simple miscalculation by the athletes maybe it's a it's a hard lesson learned at times you know athletes mess up their count people make mistakes we've seen it in the past before where athletes jump to the finish line at the games a few reps early and ultimately get penalized and you know they have a system in place and um, they were able to go back and look at chip timers and, and make sure that, you know, people were penalized and, and adjusted accordingly. But what I think was kind of lost in that was the amazing charge made by Ricky Gerhardt on the bike, by him, by Roman and Justin. So and we, we told this on our podcast a little bit um, when we had Mike Roth, the director of the games mm-hmm. on, is... You know when you're when you're following things from a TV perspective, right? You have these landmarks. You have spotters on the field of play, but athletes and people in the race also effectively act as landmarks for you to check in at different points throughout the time. And ultimately, the, the you know the leader of the race and who is immediately maybe pushing for that and in contention is the primary story, right? Because you got to get who crosses the finish line first. But Yona was winning with Lazar and right behind him, but as soon as Panchik and Lazar cut off early, we lost the frame of reference of Yona, the next athlete in line, and whoever was following up behind them, because we know we lost that like kind of medium spot distance in between where we could follow that down the line and catch up to that next person. And at the time, Ricky and Justin were far enough back where they were in the mix with other athletes that were a full lap behind, basically. And so Yona was already lapping people too. So it put this weird mix where we lost this huge checkpoint in the middle of that race that was now just ripped out unexpectedly. So as Yona was clearly in the lead, the behind the scenes, you know, the production team is slowly working their way back to find all right, who's the next person on the right lap? And during that time on the la- final stretch, Ricky just went full Gremlin mode. Yeah. I mean, he, he just. Went for it. Bombed That last point to the point where our spotters caught it, but our camera guys were struggling and to keep perspective to, to catch the race because Yona was at a point, And sometimes this happens in production where somebody just threads the needle of like just fitting outside of the gap of what each camera can cover cut to cut. Mm-hmm. And so basically we would have this shot of Yona coming down the pipe and you see that he's got a sizable lead. And just as he leaves the frame and we have to cut out from it, Ricky comes into frame.
1: Oh, wow. So you
0: don't see him at all. Yeah. And it was it was this amazing sequence that, you know, ultimately got... It was like a ghost got, out there. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was. We spent so much time going through this and trying to piece it together. But we also had chip timers. So we knew that Ricky, Justin, Roman didn't cut a lap. We had all the chip timers and spotters in the field confirming it. But it was just that sweet spot. And then there's a camera because of how big the race was that could only pick up the athlete during a certain gap coming into the stadium, and then it had to cut to the stadium. And that gap was narrower than the previous camera gap. So Ricky closed in on that, but still was just outside. And by the time they got into the stadium, he was 20 to 30 yards behind. But as we mentioned on the broadcast, Yona's starting mat was all the way at the other side, and Ricky's was at the top. So he Jonas started 20 to 30 meters ahead. Mm-hmm. So by the time they just got to their maps, that gap was gone. So it was this perfect, like, threading of the needle. And all of a sudden, Ricky's there. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh. We had people, like, and it wasn't heated, but it was a t- significant debate over whether or not what Ricky did was even physically, humanly possible. And... And I I honestly, like I was a big advocate for like, hey, I think this is legit. And I think we just we just got caught in this weird scenario where he threaded the needle. And it's going to be a pretty cool story to talk about going forward as far as like his return to the CrossFit Games.
1: Yeah, for sure. It elicited, like you said, an awesome story where it was almost gently controversial around like, oh, my gosh, uh, was that was that the first workout? Mm hmm. Right? So right off the weekend, his first workout back, now he's in the leader jersey. And, you know, I, th- I just thought it was, it was really, really cool. And being able to witness and experience that next, next to Justin Cutler was, was rad. Because it really was like, okay, we can actually and potentially threaten Justin Maderos this weekend and, you know, challenge him to make this a really interesting set of events. And, and they did just that, which was, which was very, very cool. I also want to note that CrossFit did such a great job of being patient in making that, that ultimate decision so that way they weren't you know, jumping to conclusions. And I, I felt like they did a really good job in Justin Berg really just saying like, hey, we're going to look into this. We're going to appropriately look at chip times. We're going to look at you know, all the different information that we have so that we can make not just a decision, but the right decision. And I I thought that was a really, really cool way to handle the events. I'd like to take a moment to thank our friends over at Viore. They are bringing a new perspective on performance apparel. Their products are incredibly versatile and allow for freedom and flexibility in any arena. As humans, we are complex creatures, always on the move and always on the go. Allow Viore to join you as you navigate the complexities of the human experience. Whether you are training, adventuring, lounging, traveling, or attending meetings, Viore has options to suit your active lifestyle. My personal favorites are the men's Core Short and their line of Ponto performance products, which are so incredibly soft. Check these guys out over at vioricom slash Invictus Mindset for 20% off your very first purchase And free shipping. That's V U O R I dot com slash Invictus Mindset for 20% off your very first purchase and free shipping. Everything they have is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. It's so freaking comfortable that you won't want to wear anything else. Breathing, movement, circulation, digestion. What do all these body functions have in common? Our muscles. There are over 600 muscles in the human body that are responsible for supporting our daily activities. That's why your muscle health is incredibly important. On this podcast, I always discuss seeking our peak expression and striving to maximize our human potential. And so I try to share with you the top products that I find on the market. My HMB is a clinically proven ingredient that has been shown to help build and maintain lean muscle mass, increase strength, improve recovery, and enhance body composition. Learn more about your muscle health at myhnb.com Invictus. Once again, that's myhnb.com Invictus. Enhance your muscle health and enhance your life. Moving forward, man. I thought the swim event was really cool. I definitely want to want to highlight that a little bit because it's the first time that we saw athletes get to swim in a pool and it was no longer an open water swim, which, you know, if I can relate to my games experience is more of a fight, less of a swim. And, you know, athletes got to showcase their swimming and capacity a little bit with the ski erg and obviously things got a little bit more challenging as the weekend went. You know, what were your thoughts on, on that test? And then some of the, the nuance associated with machines and skiers not starting and, you know, the scoring of, of do you get rollovers? Do you not?
0: I really like that event. I thought, um, you know, coming off of 2020 and the, the pool event that they did for the final five, I really liked the way that was laid out. And in talking to some of the athletes, they were like, that was a very, very tough event. And so, you know, kind of looking in that, I think that maybe planted the seed a bit about like, all right, let's do something maybe in similar vein of that fashion. And now that Madison, University of Wisconsin and Madison, has a brand new pool facility, like, let's take advantage of that. And then I credit to Adrian for coming up with a, a workout that every athlete and every division could do the exact same workout. No adjustments. Same workout. So we had this beautiful comparison piece across all divisions all age groups all genders it was i when i realized that i was like that is really cool and i think it ties a common thread amongst all the athletes there to stand up and say hey yeah i remember that workout i did that workout we all did it and we all have our our benchmark for that and it's a it's a universal games benchmark and we don't get that very often unless it's something that's you know, usually purely mono-structural, like just running or just rowing, something like that. But um, I, I loved it. I I thought it was just enough of a curveball, you know, getting outside of the the open water swim. Um, I thought the the interval sec- sections were pretty cool. I like that he put a minimum work requirement as far as you had to get into the pool by 30 seconds, otherwise you were done. Um, and then I like you know, the end where you can just send it on the skier, the final two rounds to really port it and give it everything you got was uh, a nice little way to finish. And it it delivered with some epic moments between Lucy and, uh, and Roman. For sure.
1: What were your thoughts, you know, just gently pivoting over to the team side of things where, you know, Con Porter is an amazing swimmer. You know, he's one of the best. And, you know, Reykjavik was right on the fence the whole weekend. It was like, Reykjavik, Invictus, Oslo, Mayhem kind of did a good job of separating a little bit. But the battle between those three teams for a podium spot was was absolutely epic. And then obviously the, the behind-the-scenes story of, you know, Lauren Fisher, previously a part of Invictus, now a part of Reykjavik. And just like, I don't know, there, there, there was a lot to unpack within that. And that particular event, you know, they were, they were climbing a little bit because they had that challenge on the parallel bars. From the media perspective, how, how was that story playing out for you
0: guys? Well, I think it was a, um, a piece of what we had really hoped for um, as far as what the team competition would be once we started getting, you know, big name athletes switching over from individuals and, you know, a return to a, a more standardized version of the team competition. I think a lot of people like super teams from sanctionals, you know, um, but uh uh, and I think there is maybe even a place for that at some p- other points of the season, but I think there's also a um, a benefit to having these like affiliate cup teams where even and and some people might dispute this and that's totally fair. Where even though you're you're effectively kind of recruiting athletes or athletes are still kind of coming in in a super team fashion. In the very least, you know they're training in the gym, they're a part of that affiliate, and they're in, you know ingraining themselves in that affiliate community. And with that and with the, the changes that happened with Reykjavik and that storyline coming along the entire season um, is you have some more of these cross lines, right? These, these like, like you mentioned with Lauren, who was part, was a part of Invictus, uh, you know, or Con Porter, who's kind of like this X-Factor, or, you know, Tola, who was part of Invictus Boston, and, uh, you know, all these other different cross lines and where I think it, it adds some cool storytelling elements to it. Um, and then you always hope for like a team that maybe will maybe performed really, really well, but wasn't c- getting the credit they deserved, like the Invictus team showing up or, or even Oslo at times, because I think everyone just wrote penciled in Reykjavik for that second spot. And towards the end of the towards like the end of semifinals, Sean and I were discussing and I was like, I think Oslo's the number two. You know, I, I think they deserve it. And then seeing what Invictus did, and it's like, okay, maybe they're in this conversation too. And then you see it play out. And um, I, I hope that, that that excitement for that race is something that can be built upon in the format, whatever format they take for the team structure going forward.
1: Totally. Uh, jumping into a little bit of, of curiosity and controversy for me, um, and, and tremendous bias, I should say. What is it about... CrossFit media not always leaning in to to putting Invictus in their their top five. I know Brian Friend picked a few, you know, left them out. And, I mean, if I were to remove my bias and connection to Invictus, it's like, man, they've been relevant every single year. Um, The individual performances of the four athletes on the team, especially in the Open and, you know, moving forward, pretty freaking solid. Just out of curiosity... What is it about kind of leaving them out of the mix a little bit? You know, obviously they didn't get all wins at that semifinals action the way some of these other teams did. But I'm always curious because we always operate underneath this underdog mentality because of that. But it's also fascinating, like just out of curiosity, why they're typically
0: written off. Well, I think I think there's a, there's a couple factors in, and obviously it they deserve more. You know, I, I can I can definitely say that one. I remember Josh Alchama, who I'll chat with from time to time. I I talked to him before the season or, or leading into the season. And I'm like, hey, man, like, what do you guys got cooking? You know, give me something, you know, it, to start to that storytelling process. And he was he was tight lipped. He's like, we got something good for you. But, uh, you know, you have to wait and see. And I'm like, OK, well, you know. I I wanna tell your story now. I wanna start hyping you up now and you know, presenting you guys as an option. Um, I think in this in this element, Oslo got it obviously because of their recent competition history. Finishing mm-hmm. second at the games, Lena and Ingrid along with Kristen winning Wadapalooza in dramatic yep. fashion is obviously huge.
1: They were studs and you, at Wadapalooza, man. I watched that firsthand and they were they were out there to kill. <laughs>
0: amazing amazing and i i think what a hurt invictus this year is there was no clear clear out in front individual athlete Mm -hmm. right that that person that is going to stand there with their their spear and shield out in front in the in the team photo and be like the the rich froning or the annie as far as like a captainship is Mm -hmm. concerned that certainly doesn't draw as much attention. And that's a more superficial thing than it is, you know, what takes place on the competition floor, um, mm-hmm. despite, you know, obviously, Annie and Rich being as fit as they are. Totally. And then I think, on yeah, honestly, not that we saw such domination from three teams, it's hard to ignore that. And I think also Invictus has had um, more so, in the absence of those strong individual athletes or those no, noteworthy individual athletes, Having a, a constant shuffling of your roster yeah. makes it difficult for uh, storytelling year to year. And now I know there have been a few core people here and there, but the, you've also seen some shifting, whether it's, you know, was it uh, Brittany and, and Devin and then Jen Ryan, who's, who is who uh, is going Masters this year, you know, Jorge and all the other athletes that have been on the team in the past. Um I think it's almost like this thing in the back and I, I'm guilty of it myself like I know Invictus would be involved but I'm not really sure exactly how well they do because they've changed a few athletes on their team we haven't seen them yeah, really yeah. compete together they don't have an individual athlete that I can really hang my hat on at least as far as the leader is concerned and then mm-hmm. you know it's more of a wait and see and when you have to wait and see then you're talking about getting further down the line of the, of the competition calendar before mm-hmm. you actually have a big enough sample size and That is not as conducive to storytelling and maybe, you know, throwing some predictions out that way, but it doesn't mean they're not deserving of it for sure.
1: Totally. Man, that was a hell of a response. I put you on the spot there. That was pretty good.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just I'm just kind of going through like my processes because, you know, anytime we get caught off guard, I'm like, whoa, how do we miss this? You know, it's part of the natural like uh, self-evaluation, I guess.
1: For sure. The one thing that I will say, and I think I'll relate this to the the predetermined story a little bit, is I, the camera really zoomed in on Rich on his front squat, and then humbly over the corner, Jorge is putting up four thirty. Yeah, and I'm just like, whoa, we missed we missed the boat on that one. That's that's a big lift. That's hard for me to even hold yeah. in the front rack.
0: <laughs> yep, that particular layout was really difficult to cover because of where yeah. they are facing. And it was the same mm-hmm. for the individuals for the shoulder to overhead. Um, it, because of where the, the Madison Club was and because of how compact a space it was, it made it really difficult to get multiple handhelds and cover from up top. So we only had basically one camera shooting up top that high angle. And obviously you don't want to get, if you're trying to weave cameras in there, you don't want to you mm-hmm. know, interfere with athletes lifting and stuff like that. You have to be privy totally. to that.
1: The media teams, man, do such a good job. The photographers are shuffling in and out like everybody's kind of like dancing in there. The media yeah, coverage it's, it's is really wow. cool and and it's only getting better. You know, it's very, very cool to see all that. I also want to shout out the, you know, there was weather conditions. Everything had to pivot. They had the jerk blocks kind of out there already from the individual running and jerk workout, which was magnificent also considering, you know, the running and the lifting had different scores, which is great. Um, so that way you can't bias just your strength and hide a little bit. So I thought that was genius by by Boz. And then just to have the seamless transition into the team side, I just thought the layout was was epic and, and just had a really nice flow as far as, you know, being a spectator and seeing them transition relatively quickly rather than the delay and moving all the equipment and having all the Amazing volunteers out there, just man, this this event does not take place without the volunteers, man. They they do an incredible job.
0: They are they are like the the pulse or heartbeat of that event with how much is going on behind the scenes. Like I, I've said this year in and year out, is very much an iceberg effect, right? Like the media and the athletes and what we do is very much the tip of the iceberg and what you see. And beneath that is hundreds of volunteers, equipment staff, event staff, black shirts, all these people that are running around and that are really the connective tissue between it all and making sure that it it runs, you know, smoothly. And even in the event of like, a you know, weather delay or contingency plans, they're the ones that are pivoting just as fast and doing all of that work to make sure it works. And, and I like every year I walk through volunteer HQ or I walk through the event staff HQ, equipment HQ, just to like, Kind of soak it in a little bit, so I can have that appreciation for like what is going on. Because I, I I like, I think I said in my my games gratitude uh, post that like there's so much that goes into it, and it's easy to get caught up in your own scenario and feel like oh I'm 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 run down, no sleep, whatever. But when you see that everyone else is doing that and everyone else is really putting in that passion and that time, um, it kind of allows you to have that have a little bit better perspective. And, and, you know, continue to be kind, kind and, you know, genuine and and not let that get to you in a negative way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're super fit. They're moving all kinds of heavy equipment throughout the day and coordinating with one another, dripping sweat in that humidity, which only got worse once that weather kind of came through and there was a little bit of rain. It was hot out
0: there, man. It was toasty for sure. I
1: also want to note and highlight you, Tommy, like, First of all, I, I put you on the spot a second ago and the way you you navigated that with such class was incredible. And, you know, moving forward, you had, in my humble opinion, a, an incredible games appreciation post that highlighted not just the media team, but in between the lines a little bit. And, you know, all the people that are part of that, Jamie Hagia, who's a good friend, Annie Sakamoto, Chase Ingram, Sean Woodland, people that I've been fortunate to cross paths with among Nikki Brazier and other amazing humans as well. But... You did such a great job highlighting the human component, which is sleep deprivation, change of food, change of scenery, like really being run down. We, we touch on that a little bit and how you're always able to zoom out and really connect through through this broad and inclusive lens versus just the, the Tommy Marquez lens.
0: I'm very fortunate that my journey in the media space, um, I owe a lot of it to a collection of other people that have really helped prop me up, you know, I'd be lying if I said that where at least the things that I've been able to do and where I am right now was anywhere in my field of view when I first started working for the media team. Um, but through the help and guidance and assistance of other people, it has given me purpose and um, and passion and, and shaped my experience. And I think from that right away, that immediately sets it for me, at least what I've tried to do is set a foundation of understanding that that is what has helped me along the way and it's what's going to help me going forward and it's what's going to allow me to help others and continue that, that cycle of service kind of to boost up this as best as possible. And I think it's a big part of what makes the sport and the community work in the first place. So, you know, that is something that I always have, I guess, have learned over the years in going through the games that um, that collective effort um, is paramount. And so, with that in mind, in the midst of this crazy, crazy work week, and all of those human elements that you talked about—the lack of sleep, the change in diet, the you know intense, very intense working conditions—that ultimately, it still is a collective effort. We all signed up for this, and we all love doing this, and it's something that we we choose to, and, the, and that in the absence of us, there are a million other people that would be, love to be doing what we're doing as well. So we're very fortunate in that. And then just kind of let that guide me. And that that's, I don't know if it's any one thing beyond what I've already mentioned, but it's just been years mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to kind of fine tune that and make sure I keep that present because um, I look around, you know, it's, uh, we do this meeting in the beginning of uh, the week for the media team, all staff meeting, everybody from the people laying cable to the, the truck guys that are you know graphics and cutting every little thing to the per- production managers everyone hundreds of people and you know we go through this exercise all right who is it who is it here for their first time at the games you know a handful of people raise their hand and every- how many people have been here at least three how many people have been here at least five how many people have been here at ten and that list of people from five and beyond continues to grow and the point oh, of man. that exercise cool. is to is to realize how many people genuinely enjoy working this event, and how many people that aren't familiar with CrossFit at all, really, and aren't even like their their only exposure to CrossFit or the CrossFit Games is when they work this event. Genuinely, genuinely enjoy doing it because of the the kindness and working environment that the people set forth for that, and how the community around them while they're out on the field of play and doing all of their jobs, accepts them and treats them um, and represents themselves. And so that is a nice reminder for us at the start of like, hey, we are ambassadors. We are, we are people tasked with sharing the magic of what we do with everyone else. And that's not just reserved for people at home. That's not reserved for people in attendance. It's for people everywhere from the, the production people behind the scenes to the security guards that are working the event that their only interaction might be you walking by and saying thank you when they open up the door for you. And that all, all that stuff matters. Every one of those interactions matter. And by being additive to the equation, it makes the experience better for everyone. Um, and our, our leaders, particularly on the media side, Charlie Doobie, Mike Roth, do a great job of instilling that and reminding us of that. Um, and... As a result, I think everyone's experience improves too um, by knowing that you're being additive to other people's experiences as well.
1: Hell yeah, man! And you've been doing it for over ten years.
0: Oof, yeah, this was 11 It's the thirteenth game season that I've been involved in. So, man,
1: that's that's it's something crazy. to really, really be be proud of, especially given the gentle challenges that you and the media landscape faced there for a little bit. And, you know, before I jump in to kind of picking your brain around CrossFit leadership a little bit, do you honestly think this will be Tia Claire Toomey's last year?
0: Hmm. If you had asked me at the games after that last event, I would have probably said, yeah. I'm starting to double, double back on that. And I think maybe we might see her one more. It's it's hard to say because the emotions of what go into a CrossFit season and the effort and the energy and everything that goes into a full calendar year are just so hard to, I guess, capture in that singular moment when you're you're on the floor or you're behind the scenes, you're deciding whether or not you're going to hang them up. And it's such a long process, I feel like. I think that there were elements of Tia and her camp Believing that she was done, and I think that in just like you know, many of us can change our minds. I think there's maybe a, a, a doubling back on their end as well of whether or not that she's truly done and whether or not she wants another go at it. You know, um, it's it's. I don't want to speak for them entirely. You know, I, I I know I can say that like I've seen a little bit of a back and forth around whether or not she's truly done, um, and what I've witnessed with my eyes. But uh, it may honestly be one of those things where it changes day-to-day at this point, and we may have to wait until there's an actual announcement one way or the other. Because I think she still wants to compete at Rogue. There's maybe even like Wadapalooza or another event like that that she might want to compete in. Who knows? Um, but whether or not she takes the fourth for the game season remains to be seen. And it could change, right? Like, I think we've we've seen like Scott Panchik retired, and then he came back and competed another year. And um, I think we're very used to just someone saying, I'm done and being done, or I'm not done and not being done. When really there's a whole lot of gray area in between that we're maybe now being forced to uh, identify now that what you know the greatest to do it is is kind of in between
1: for sure. And as humans, we're malleable. I mean, things change. There's different flavors. There's different rhymes, reasons. You know, there's there's the body and health and mindset. And as we briefly discussed before with you personally, the season is long. It, it, you know, it, there is no real off season anymore. There, there's all these different perks and you know off-season events that you know pop to the surface a little bit and you know that's challenging to do life sometimes and you know sometimes at the end of a crossfit game season you're just like huh but then all of a sudden you start getting that itch again and you, you never really want to say no because the best ability is availability so if you dance in some of these other competitions you might get that that euphoric feeling again to want to go pursue something, and so never say never, man. I think I think it's cool to see how she's being patient with it, discussing a little bit on her with her and Shane on the Proven YouTube channel. It's see it's fun to see them kind of digest their conversations, and she's so good at being um, a little bit cryptic and unique with her words, which which I really admire, and I think that's cool. As we discuss CrossFit leadership, you know, what are your thoughts? I know you and, and Sean Woodland got to talk briefly with. The new CEO of CrossFit, Don Fall. What what was that experience like? And with so many changes recently, you know, what are your thoughts with with the future of CrossFit?
0: I I will start by saying I really enjoyed our interview with Don. I really enjoyed just the interaction on an interpersonal level that we had with him during the interview, before, after, um, in the conversations that we had. Um, and I was impressed by what I've seen so far. You know, and I think it's you know, there are little things that go a long way, you know, on a personal level that make a difference. And I think that is true, you know, everywhere from, you know, training in your affiliate to what we do at the games. And Don went out of his way to make the interview happen in person on short notice um, when he totally didn't have to. Um, and he did so while also, Staying true to some other obligations that he had, and was very very flexible in that regard. So we were originally supposed to do the interview, um, you know, uh, virtually. We tossed out the idea once we found out that he was ne- that he was within d- reasonable driving distance, nearby. That hey, maybe if you wanted to do it in person, we could set this up and we could do it today too. And he obviously had some some personal family obligations that he had to attend to, and but he was like, hey, if if we can maybe push it back a little bit, I'll absolutely be able to do this in person. I'll, I'll carve that time out for you. And I, I just thought it was a little bit of him like going the the extra mile for us, um, so that we could have a better experience and get to meet him face to face in person. Sean got to meet him at the games, you know, briefly, um, and just have that like more intimate interaction from you know a business standpoint and be able to talk with him in person. And that to me that was just. I don't know, like that. Those types of things go a long way for me, um, and kind of, yeah, and just like pe- peeping into, um, you know, what I can gather about the character and how someone operates, at, you know, at a certain level. And um, we had an awesome conversation with him before and after. Um, I, lo- I think he's a, a very really cool and unique cross section of a lot of the different elements of that has made CrossFit this this wonderfully magical, you know, beast of a company. You know, whether it's his his you know his path to the military military academy for the navy. Um, you know being in the military and, and you know having to to lead men with less exp- with more experience than him and all of those experiences he talked about in our interview to having to pivot and go to the tech world and go to a very different environment and embracing that wholeheartedly and finding his path and I think he's going to need a little a lot of all of that you know in order to stabilize what has been kind of a, a shaky. Um, tip of the spear at the forefront of CrossFit in recent uh, in recent years. So um, I'm optimistic. Um, I really appreciated the time with him, and um, you know, obviously, me and Sean are are supportive, and we want to be as supportive of, as we can, and hopefully help him this thing succeed. But um, more importantly, we're we're stoked that that one that someone like Don exists, right? Because I think it's it's a very unique individual that can maybe hopefully make this. Um, a long-term successful uh, position at the top of the, uh, of the community and, and more so that he was willing to give us the time and do so in a way that felt very personal and real.
1: That's, that's a great description. I also can't help but note that I was listening to Mark Zuckerberg talk recently and you know, he was chatting all around virtual reality and you know, AI and all these different things, but there's, there's a unique magic when you get to cross paths with somebody in person. And you know maybe the things that aren't necessarily recorded or utilized as content, you have those those pre-conversations, or those post-conversations that are, you know maybe just catching up on your personal life or hey how are you feeling how are you doing? And I, th- I think there's magic within the human experience with those interpersonal relations. And so I'm stoked that you guys got to interact with him, and I've heard nothing but great things so far, and, I, and I'm really excited. Uh, a part of me can't help but reference that. CrossFit's doing some really cool things. CrossFit affiliate programming, the games are still kicking ass. The, the monetization and the professionalization of the sport for athletes seems like it's it's never been this good before. But I still can't help but think there's not like a a leadership and an anchor or a nucleus that gives that feeling of of security. But you're seeing all these other trickle-down effects happen from the leadership team. And that's not just one person. That's, that's a crew of people that believe in this mission. And so I'm very optimistic just like you and very, very excited for, for the future of the sport. Lastly, my man, as we look to wrap things up, what is, what's the role of Eric Rosa currently? And you know, what, what role is he playing on on the board and what can we expect from, you know, the, the leadership team moving forward?
0: I can't speak for certainty with the, with what that is because um, you know I'm not an employee of CrossFit. Um, I, by my best estimation, I believe he's chairman of the board, so I think he there's like some oversight and some 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 guidance elements of what he does. You know, obviously, and I, I think um, from from what I've seen um, online that maybe like Don has been really good about reaching out and seeking guidance and insight from all of the past leaders whether it's Dave Greg um, Eric people of the board I think Eric is maybe more in a behind the scenes role now um, maybe a few clicks further downstream with the with the board of directors but that that seems to be all that I'm aware of at least um, but beyond that I can't really speak to it because I, I just I just don't know
1: I just love that Don's on this listening tour and he's information gathering. And listening is more than just what people say. It's body language. It's seeing what works, what clicks, chatting with people like you and Sean, who have been in the space, as we alluded to before, over a decade. And, you know, anybody willing to put in the time to gather all of this and then digest, initiate their own flavor and try to do what's best for the sport and everybody involved. I think I heard somebody discuss, you know, CrossFit isn't just CrossFit. There's this billion dollar industry. I think it was Justin LaFranco from, from Morning Chalk Up that referenced this. And he's like, man, you have all these additional companies and sponsors and things that come a little bit tethered to CrossFit. And so it's an it's a ever-growing tree with, with CrossFit at the trunk. And it, it's always such a pleasure to connect with you, Tommy. And you know, you're know you on a, on a pathway man. right now towards getting married here soon. You know what's I can't a, wait. I can't wait for you, man. You've been so excited. We've chatted about it a few times. What's the uh, pre-marriage ritual right now? Are you getting your body in, in, in peak, you know, performance oh, and position, ready to stand up there and hopefully, uh, you know, have th- just an incredible, magical experience?
0: I'm trying. I, uh, the six uh, Chicago dogs I had at Wrigley <laughs> uh, the Wednesday after the games certainly didn't help, but uh, I've been back, you know, hitting the gym hard, trying to, you know, get my nutrition back to where it was. Um, after that little disruption there, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually had to have my tuxedo jacket re, remade because um, <laughs> I, I had a tuxedo, obviously, that I got for the wedding. Um, and I tried it on, and I will say this, and I don't know if anyone who, who has a similar story, I have super long arms, broad shoulders, super long legs, and a short torso. But because of my broad shoulders, I have a, a, a little bit wider than normal chest. Every time I go to a tailor, they measure these like, you know, whatever they need to measure, and they think that I'm evenly proportioned, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm shaped like a cartoon character, so they- <laughs>
1: Master they Splinter. End up, like,
0: making Yes, they end up like making these like, for one, the armholes on suits to get them high enough for me to fit so it looks actually tailored is very difficult. They usually make the middle section of the suit jacket way bigger because of where my chest is, but I'm actually like fairly thin and skinny. Um, and so I, I have had to recently send it back, and they have to make an entirely new jacket. So that's put a little bit of stress on whether or not I'll have my actual tuxedo in time for the wedding. But uh, but I'm doing my best to make sure that, uh, in the very least, whether I fit in it properly or not, I'm you know what's underneath is uh, is is up to what I hope it can be from from a training and nutrition standpoint. Totally,
1: sure. just rip the sleeves off, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: just, hey, you know um, we're doing. Uh, uh, we're doing a continuation from one of my best friends uh, from Growing Up's wedding. We're doing party shirts for the tuxedos. Oh, cool. So, uh, where we swap out, you go to a tailor and you swap out the fabric on your tuxedo shirt on the sleeves up to the cuff and then on the back panel. So, when you have your jacket on, you can't see it. But when you take your jacket off and you're dancing, have a good time, you got a, like a fun tu- a fun like party tuxedo shirt. So that will be cool.
1: I dig it, man. Always paying attention to detail. And with that being said, what does the future look like for for Talking Elite Fitness and for Tommy Marquez?
0: Oh, man. Well, for me personally, it's getting married, finally getting to, you know, call my beautiful fiance, Tiffany, my wife. It's something that's been as of today. It's been three years since we first got engaged um we got engaged on uh, august 31st in 2019 so finally getting to enjoy that process and and have that kind of culmination of three years of of training to have our you know wedding crossfit games i guess if you will and um and celebrate with our friends and family that's like first and foremost that's what's biggest for me on a personal level is being able to do that because a wedding is one of the few times in life you kind of get to see the full collection of people in front of you that helped you get to where you were at that point in time—it's like almost like you're living kind of mosaic of your life up to that point. So I I really like that, and I'm excited to to, to share that with Tiffany. And and then for Talking Leaf Fitness, we're hoping to grow and expand on some of the production elements of what we do. Um, we are uh, we're going to be uh, working more closely with uh, Hamilton Road Productions, who puts on the the game. They put on the games production. They they do a lot of the production for um for crossfit studio and a bunch of other places as well and so hopefully just expanding what we can offer through the through the podcast and through the talking elite brand hopefully incorporate more voices into the fold um and just expand the total media offers uh, offerings and put more voices into play um more content into play um and do a better job of you know shining a broader light on the sport and the amazing things that athletes and members of our community are doing
1: i love it tommy And we're right at the tip of the start of football season. So I know you're stoked for that. Baseball is in full swing and basketball's not too far off. So I'm sure you and I will exchange a few messages on on the sports world and touch base a little bit. Thank you so much for making the time to connect with me and share all of your incredible insight on the CrossFit Games, the sport of CrossFit and your unique lenses on the world. I always appreciate you, my man.
0: Oh, Thank you, Bryce. I appreciate chatting with you.
1: If you guys enjoyed my conversation with Tommy today, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. And as always, stay on the hunt for who have not yet become. Till next time, Tommy. Thank you. Are you over 35 and in need of a solid training program? Are you looking to improve your athleticism and keep up with the younger athletes in your CrossFit gym? then look no further than our Invictus Master's program. This program places year-round emphasis on mobility and stability exercises with movements that we have seen directly benefit our Master's athletes. Our program is led by Nicole DeHart and offers a training program designed specifically for Master's athletes who are looking to compete at a higher level in the sport of CrossFit. Some of our top Master's athletes in the world train with us, including... CrossFit Games champion Kevin Kester, Matt Beals, and Pat Sprague. You can learn more about their stories and the Invictus Masters program by checking out their episodes right here on the Invictus Mindset Podcast. If you'd like more information about the current training cycle or to join the Invictus Masters program, please email nicole at invictusathlete.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E at invictusathlete.com. .com. Breathing, movement, circulation, digestion. What do all these body functions have in common? Our muscles. There are over 600 muscles in the human body that are responsible for supporting our daily activities. That's why your muscle health is incredibly important. On this podcast, I always discuss seeking our peak expression and striving to maximize our human potential. And so I try to share with you the top products that I find on the market. My HMB is a clinically proven ingredient that has been shown to help build and maintain lean muscle mass, increase strength, improve recovery, and enhance body composition. Learn more about your muscle health at myhmb.com/invictus. Once again, that's myhmb.com/invictus. Enhance your muscle health and enhance your life.